Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
to see you here this morning. If you will, take your bulletin. There's a few announcements in there. First, before I forget, we want to continue to lift up the Hutchinson family. Just pray for Miss, Miss Debbie, pray for Richie and for, for Kirsten. And I uh, just want to lift them up this morning and remember them in prayer. The, the few other announcements, remember Brother Chris is down visiting May this weekend. Him and the, they're visiting her and Kaylee. Uh, maybe turned one this past week, so we've missed them. It's good to have Brother Larry Murphy with us this morning. He's going to be bringing our message a little bit later. If you look in your bulletin, there's a few announcements there. The offering, the uh, ushers will be at the doors when we leave. There's also a dedicated box back here to my left that's back in the fellowship hall that you can place your offering in there as well. Or if you'd like to give online, you can go to the alamofirstbaptist.com and you can, uh, you can do the online giving there. The worship and ministry services status right now, we're just doing the Sunday morning and Wednesday night prayer meeting for now and we'll reopen hopefully uh, the other services soon the decision to meet and fellowship that's left up to each small group so if your class is wanting to meet up here just call the church and let us know call me or brother Chris and we can schedule a time or schedule a room that's that's best for your class this Wednesday the youth are going to be meeting out at the Udley's house and the youth need to bring a drink and a, either a bag of chips or a dessert and uh, if some of you moms that are going to be bringing your kids if y'all can make a few desserts we don't need a, a whole lot of desserts because honestly they're they're not eating a whole lot we're just you know we're fellowshipping hanging out at the pool and trying trying to maintain that social distancing uh, but uh, it is good to see you here this morning once you pray with me and we'll continue our worship service father god we want to come to you this morning we just thank you that you are a god that we can call on at any time you, we know you hear us we know you're always there uh, regardless of what we're going through uh, Lord, you're just amazing. There's nothing we can say that can describe you. No words uh, can adequately tell us what you are, who you are, and everything that you've done for us, Lord, all the blessings you've given us. And, Lord, we do want to lift up the Hutchinson family to you now. We just uh, we pray for them, pray for grace. Uh, Lord, uh, as uh, one of our ladies prayed the other night while we were there visiting with them, that, Lord, just wrap them in your arms, let them cry up in your lap, and just, uh, just hug your neck and uh, cry when they need to, Lord, because you're there. You know their pain. And so we just uh, we lift them up to you, Lord. Uh, pray for Brother Chris as he's headed back from Jackson today. Just watch over them. Bring them, bring them home safely. Lord, Just uh, we pray for Larry as he brings a message a little bit later. And we just thank you for everyone being here today. We pray that you just be with us in our worship service, in the message. And Lord, we just again thank you for all the blessings that you give us, Lord. And that we can call you Father. We love you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, why don't you stand with us as we continue to worship together. Open 
probably none of you will know the name Hiro Akuno. He was a Japanese soldier at the end of World War II. And Hiro was stationed in an island in the Philippines. His job was to do reconnaissance on the U.S. troops and to report back. When the Japanese surrendered, he refused to believe it. For 25 years, he stayed on his little island and would send back reports to the Japanese commanders. 25 years later, they finally sent someone to tell him, the war is over, you can come home, you can, you can let it go. And as Christians, we need to understand that we have already won the victory, we've already won the battle, and our strength is in Christ alone.
you can be seated. The, uh, when I was growing up, I always thought I wanted to grow up, make enough money where I could take care of my family, to be, you know, even when I'm dead and gone. And in 1993, I got saved, and God changed all those want-tos. And it was a good thing because, you know, they're not going to have any money when I'm dead and gone anyway. So, uh, But God changed my want-tos. Now I want to leave a legacy of Christ in Christ alone. Not me, but only Jesus. Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the lie that it was up to me to make a name the world remembers. But Jesus is the only name.
Father God, we come to you again this morning. And Lord, that's our prayer. That uh, when our life is said and done here on earth, that people remember what you've done through us, Lord. We can never accomplish anything without you. You tell us in your word that if we remain in you and you and us, that we can do anything. But apart from you, we can do absolutely nothing. We can't even take a breath. And we just thank you that you are the God who holds everything together, that everything is found in you, everything is created by you, for you. And we just thank you that we can call on your name at any time, and we know you'll hear us, Lord. We love you today. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Everybody okay today? All right. Most of you are. The rest of you will get there, we hope. That'll be okay. Uh, well, I'm glad to be with you today. And uh, I'm glad that, uh, that they are getting to spend some time with the grandchild. When Chris called me a couple weeks ago, uh, he said, you know, it's one-year birthday. It's kind of special. And I said, it certainly is. And you better get down there. So, uh, you know, grandchildren, I have two grandsons, and I wish I'd had them first, you know. So that's how I feel about grandchildren. So thank you. Thank you for letting them be there. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalms chapter 13. Psalms 13. I want you to think with me this morning of looking for hope. You know, uh, some of you I, I know are... Uh, uh, have just a tinge of, of uh, mischief in you that you will remember a song uh, many years ago, looking for love in all the wrong places. Now, you won't admit it, but you know it. And you probably, some of you know the words. That makes it even worse. But, uh, uh, and, and, and Brian's uh, Brian liable to do it for special some Sunday. Who knows? But, uh, but, but when we think about that song, I want you to think about hope this morning. And I'm afraid that many of us, many of us are looking for hope in the wrong places. And we have our priorities in the wrong places. Many of us are, uh, during this time of COVID, we're looking for hope in the fact that when are we going to be back in this building and everything going full blown? Well, that's not hope, folks. This is just a location. But what, where is your hope? A few years ago, a survey was taken on the top ten signs that your hope is misplaced. First of all, hope is misplaced when I trade godly wisdom for the counsel of the world. Hope is misplaced when I follow the crowd rather than the Spirit's leading. Hope is misplaced when I ignore warning signs of self-centered agendas. Hope is misplaced when I give in to prevailing winds. In other words, I go along to get along. Hope is misplaced when I am driven along rather than led by the Holy Spirit. Hope is misplaced when I am scarcely able to maintain control of my life surroundings. Hope is misplaced when fear drives my decision-making. Hope is misplaced when I jettison valuable care, cargo like important priorities, personal values, and relationships. Hope is misplaced when I throw out 
life essentials like family and friends, health, and life balance. And the last one, according to this survey, hope is misplaced when I lose my bearings, uncertain of how to navigate life. I want you to think with me about looking for hope this morning. George Barner says that 10 of the most life-altering things that take place that change our lives are illnesses, a death, a financial hardship, abuse, job loss, a divorce, a loss of home, injury, natural disaster, or becoming a victim of crime. We find ourselves all the time, all the time, even before any of the stuff that we've been going through the past four months, there are always life-altering issues. There are people who were suffering with many things in their lives way long before any press conference pronounced the word COVID-19. And there are issues that are taking place in our lives today that cause us to need hope in our lives. Things that cause chaos, things that cause confusion in our lives, things that cause conflict. Children who have become prodigal, marriages that are falling apart, situations happening in churches. During this time, pastors who are being threatened to be fired if they don't open the doors up again. Isn't that a real reason to fire a pastor? A lot of chaos, a lot of things taking place. Many times without solutions, and we have those problems. And in the book of Psalms, at least 18 times the question is asked, How long, Lord? How long? And here in Psalms 13, which is a relatively short Psalms, the question is asked in the first two verses four times. How long, Lord? David Jeremiah said that this Psalms is an answer to a long wait of heartache when tomorrow seems far away. So I want us to think about three things out of these six verses in Psalms 13. First of all, I want to ask you the question, today, are you you groping? Are you just groping along? The definition for groping means to look blindly, to be uncertain. There are, out of this, some chronic conditions that take place and things that hamper us all the time. But the question is asked by the psalmist, how long? Look at, look at uh, verses 1 and 2 with me of Psalms 13. To the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you, forget, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me. That how long is a, is a bitter cry, but it is a biblical cry. And David, we're not sure what took place. We don't know when this was written. We don't know what was taking place. But there was something taking place. It could have been while he was trying to flee the armies of Saul. 
We don't really know what was happening. But there was something going on in his life that he had to say, God, how long will I feel like you're hiding your face from me? How long will my enemies exalt over me? One commentator said it is not under the sharpest, but it is under the longest trials that we are most in danger of fainting. There's a story of a, a radio evangelist from the 1930s by the name of Charles Fuller. And some of you might say, well, why would you go that far back to the 1930s? Well, Charles Fuller was a very influential evangelist and radio preacher who also founded Fuller Theological Seminary, which many of our great theologians and pastors today, one being Billy Graham, graduated from that seminary. And Charles Fuller was a great influence on Billy Graham and other evangelists and pastors. So I think he holds a little prominence in our past and in our history. He had a radio program entitled The Old Fashioned Gospel. And in the 30s, Charles Fuller and his family went through all kinds of things. They lost all their money in the Great Depression. Their home was auctioned. <clears throat> Creditors harassed them constantly. They had one son, one child named Daniel, who almost died twice because of respiratory problems. Miss Fuller, Charles' wife, had very serious health issues and had some very serious surgeries during that time. He was forced to resign from his church because of his biblical stands and the things that he said and held true to Scripture. Good friends that they thought were close to them forever turned against them. An earthquake struck Los Angeles and Pasadena, California, the area where they lived in. The Fullers had all kinds of things that took place in their life, but here's what Charles Fuller said about these things. We've come to know God in a new way because of the past three years. We've known sickness, financial loss, trouble with friends, trouble with our, ch our child almost dying, my wife being very sick. I even at many times would go to preach and would open my mouth and was not sure if anything would come out because I was so strangled by the things taking place. And then he said, excuse me for making personal references. I mentioned them only briefly as a testimony because I want to tell you that after going through all of this and much more, Miss Fuller and I know that God is able, that his promises are true. We never could have known how precious it is to rest on God's word, having committed all to him and waiting to see him work if we had not been so sorely tested. David was tested, and it is said of him that he was a man after God's own heart. Yet he asked here, God, how long? Now I want to ask you to show of hand or to speak out. But I wonder this morning if there's some of you who have said, God, how long? How long is all of this stuff that we're experiencing right now going to take place God how long are the things that were already happening in my life before COVID and before rioting and before all the political stuff that's going on how long God how long 
David was groping and looking for an answer, wanting to know where God was and what was taking place. But thankfully, he didn't just stop in verse 1 and 2. Look at verse 3 of chapter 13. Consider and answer, or consider and hear me, another translation says, O Lord my God, light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David moved from groping to coping. He came to a place in his life where he realized, I, <clears throat> I've got to move on. And was the very first thing he, that he did there. Consider and hear me. Consider and answer me. The very first thing David began to do, folks, was not to look for any answers outside of God. What he did there in the very beginning of verse 3 was he began to pray. David began to pray and said, God, consider and hear me. God, answer me. God, I'm, I'm asking you. He turned to prayer and he, he begged God to hear him through his sorrow. The hymn writer George Crowley wrote a hymn, Spirit of God, descend upon my heart. And he said, teach me to feel that thou art always nigh. Teach me the struggles of the soul to bear. To check the rising doubt, the rebel sigh. Teach me the patience of unanswered prayer. Now, we don't know what he may have been going through, what he was happening in his life when he wrote that. But he did understand that God had not hidden his face from him. And he was saying very basically, move on. Move on. Stop groping and start coping. Someone has said prayer, even when the answer is delayed, is still the most wonderful and precious thing available to us today. David said, Hear me, God. Answer me. Consider me. Now, I want to point something out here. David wasn't praying for the person to the right of him or to the left of him. David wasn't praying for the person in front of him or behind him. David wasn't praying for anything that we may read in the paper or hear on the news or those things. David was praying for himself specifically. So this morning when you think about beginning to cope, don't be praying for everyone else's issues that you think they have and asking God to fix them. What's going on in your life? What's going on in my life? What's taking place with me? That's where David was. David said, consider and answer me. Now, I, I'm not telling you not to pray for others. I'm not telling you not to pray for the sick. I'm not telling you to pray for our nation, for our world, for the politics, for the virus. Uh, don't misunderstand me. I'm walking out of here saying that because I didn't say it. If you walk out of here saying it, it's all on you. But I am saying that many times the reason we're still groping is because we haven't stopped to pray about me. What is it God needs to do in me to make this world a better place 
What is it God needs to do in me to help me leave a legacy? What is it that God needs to do in me? Do I need to be saved? Do I need to be in a, an attitude of repentance? God, forgive me for what's taking place. And I want to tell you something, folks. I am a firm believer in this, so if you want to go out and say this about me, that's okay. I'm, I'm asked all the time to pray for our nation, and I do. But not as strongly do I feel the importance to pray for our nation as I feel the importance to pray for the church because if believers acted like believers, the nation would be much better. And that's why I said in the beginning, we were worried about getting back here. Why? So we can just keep doing the same things we were already doing? Or are we back with an attitude and a consideration of God? Listen, work in me, take us where we've never been before. We pray for the revival of the nation when we need to be praying for the revival of our own hearts. And I fall into that category, folks. I would challenge Paul on his statement when he said he was the greatest sinner of all. God, what is it you want to do in me? But we need to keep moving forward. We need to stop groping. We need to stop wringing our hands and going, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And decide that we can pray and we can seek God's face. And David said here, don't let my enemy, enemies prevail over me. Let me stand strong. Let me be faithful. Let me be a man and woman after your own heart. I mentioned those two grandsons earlier. One of them will be seven in just a couple of weeks. The other one will be two in just a few months. I've been praying this over the older one, obviously longer, but I've been praying it over the youngest one too. I whisper in their ear every opportunity I get, God, make him a man after your own heart. What's your prayer today? In all of the confusion and stuff that we're going through, what's your prayer? But praise God, David closes this Psalms by talking about hoping. Look at verse 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. Again, not knowing what David was going through, but he came to a place that he began to pray to truly seek God, not answers from anywhere else, but to seek God. And from that, he began to hope. He began to trust. He began to have optimism. There was joy in his life. John Maxwell, in one of his books, tells the story of a 92-year-old woman who was very independent. She was wealthy enough to be able to move into a, uh, an assisted living place on her own and she was legally blind. Her husband had just passed away after being married for 70 years. And 
She had already talked with the place about moving there and all the things had been taken care of. She went one day to look at the place where the room where she might be moving into and she waited and out in a, a, a lobby area and finally someone from <clears throat> the assisted living place came and uh, wanted to show her the room and so they <clears throat> started down the hallway and as they were going down the hallway the lady was telling the the, the elderly lady, look, this is the room you have and this is the way it's organized and furniture here and there are things here and you can bring your things here and, you can, and the walls are this color and the carpet's this color and there's tile here and, there's, there's, and, and they're not even in the room yet. And the lady said, I love it. And the attendant said, but wait, you, you haven't seen it yet. And here's what the lady said. That doesn't have anything to do with it. <clears throat> Happiness and hope is something that you decide ahead of time. Whether I like the room or not does not depend on how the furniture is arranged. It is how I arrange my mind. We make a choice regardless of our, our circumstance. For decision determines destiny folks we can gripe we can complain we can fuss you know we we've uh, not, i'm just going to say this because i want to it's an it's a perfect illustration Re regardless of if you like the president or not it's this is a perfect illustration Right now, he signed. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But you know, he signed an executive order. Well, they're fussing that they want money to get out, but yet he signs an executive order, and they're going to take him to court to keep it from happening. Give me a break. Now, I, I don't know if it's right or not. I have no idea. But it's a good illustration for this right here. All we want to do is gripe and complain about everything. Not the pres just the president, but we want to look for fault in our life. This lady said, it doesn't matter if I've seen it or not. It's a matter of my mind. I've decided that because of all God has done for me, I will be hopeful. I'm going to be joyous. I'm not going to gripe and complain. I'm going to lift my eyes to the Lord. And this lady said one other thing. God, I don't know what's going on here. I don't truly understand it, but I will put my trust in you. I will praise you with all my heart. I will arrange my mind according to the promises of your word. One of my favorite movies is out of the line of movies that the Sherwood Baptist Church group in Georgia made. And none of those folks could act. But there are some folks in some high-powered, well-paid movies that I don't think can act either, so I don't hold it against those folks. But my favorite movie out of that line is Facing the Giants. And there are several pieces of that movie, parts of that movie that I like, but the one I want to use this morning to tell you is that if you know anything about that movie, all kinds of things were happening to that 
high school coach and his wife. But one of the things is they were trying to have children, and they could not have children. And she had been to the doctor three or four times for tests, and each time it were turned down. No, you're, you're, not, you're not pregnant. You're not expecting a child. And in this scene, the, the husband says to his wife, calls her by name and says, If we never have children, will you still praise God? If we're never allowed to have children, will you still praise God? She goes to the doctor. She's waiting in the examination room after the doctor's been there. She's waiting for them to come back, and a nurse comes in, and and you can tell there's no, you can't hear any talking, but you know what happens. The nurse tells her, no, she's, she's she's not pregnant. There was a faulty test. But then she says, but you stay here in the room until you're ready to leave, sweetheart. And when you're ready to go, you come on out. And she leaves the room. And then you see the young wife in tears. Her heart's broken. But she consoles herself and she stops and she says, God, I will praise you. If I never have a child, I will praise you you leaves the doctor's office and you know they're you they're pretty predictable they're kind of like all those hallmark christmas music movies you know what's going to happen but she gets to her car and the nurse who had just given her that news ran out to the car to tell her they had mixed the test up hers was positive she was going to have a child. Now I want to ask you this morning, are you living in hope and have decided that regardless what takes place in this wicked world, you will praise Him and you will stand on the promises of God? Because you can ask a million times, when, what is this world coming to? I can tell you what it's coming to. According to this book right here, I can tell you what this world is coming to. It is coming to Jesus, and it's coming fast. Well, if, if God's such a God of love that <clears throat> David talked about there, <clears throat> I'm going to trust in your steadfast love. Why doesn't he take all the evil out of the world? You don't want him to do that, because if he did, you wouldn't be here either. If God took all the evil out of the world, none of us would remain. David said, I'm going to trust in your steadfast love. Well, how big is his love? Well, let me tell you from from an old hymn how big his love is. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole if it stretched from sky to sky. That's how big God's love is. It's big enough that he gave his only son to die for us. And if he's willing to do that, I can put my steadfast trust in him. David said, I will rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Folks, 
I challenge you to go home this afternoon and take out a sheet of paper and draw a line down the middle of it and start writing all the blessings that God has given. And over here, begin to write those things that are wrong. And I guarantee you, the last part of Psalms 13, David said, thank you for dealing bountifully with me because we could have it worse. I stole the phrase from Dave Ramsey. I listened to another Christian financial advisor. Not that Dave's not a good guy, but he's just too hyper for me. He's get off the caffeine. But he does have a phrase that I've stolen. I've used it. Some of you have asked me this morning, how are you doing? And I've used Dave Ramsey's phrase, better than I deserve. And I use that as a witnessing point. And people will say in stores and other places, what do you mean by that, sir? Because what I really deserve is death and hell and punishment and damnation. But because of the love of God, I have eternal life. I have life worth living. And he's made a difference in the things that happen. And regardless of everything that comes around, I can put my trust in a man who has bountifully dealt with me. I close with these two things. First of all, keep going forward. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Secondly, keep looking upward. King Jehoshaphat said in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, We have no power against this great multitude coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes, O Lord, are up on you. <clears throat> Keep looking up. Keep trusting the one who said he could forgive us. The one who said he could give us life eternal. And I, as Adrian Rogers said, Adrian Rogers said, if I live this life believing all of this, and I get to the end and it's not true. But it is true. But if I get to the end and it's not true, it's been worth it all. Do you have hope today? Do you have hope to take on the world and to say, look, regardless what you throw my way, God's in charge. Brian and the musicians come. We prepare for our invitation. I, I, I just ask you this morning, do you know Jesus? If you're here this morning without Jesus as your Savior, you have no hope. You have no hope at all. And I would ask you to trust Him today, to take Him as your Savior. You're here today and you know Him without a shadow of a doubt. You'd say, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. You could give the date and time and place, who was pastor, and maybe even what the prayer was. But the world has caved in and has stolen your hope, would you come this morning saying, not to me, not to anyone else, come to this altar where you are. I know we have to social distance, but, but, you, but you don't have to stay away from God, okay? You can draw near to Him, the Scripture says. Would you come to Him? Would you just trust Him today and say, God, I'm not going to let Fox News and 
ABC and NBC and all the other C's you want to put out there. and all the, I'm not going to let them dictate my world. And if you get up in the morning and the first thing you do is listen to the news, instead of listening to God and His Word, you already have lost the battle. Would you commit yourself this morning to trusting Him and hoping in Him? As we sing, as Brian leads us in our invitation, you move as God moves. We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you, and we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today. the Lord together today. Amen. Thank you, Brother Larry. Appreciate you more than you know. Uh, as we close, just uh, be with your family today. Enjoy the, the rest of the afternoon and pray for us. We're headed to the Gulf Shores after we leave here this morning. Brother Chris will be back next week and Brother Keith will be leading. Where are you at, Brother Keith? Hey, there he is. Brother Keith will be leading the worship next week, so y'all come and, and worship with him as he leads us next week. And uh, let's pray together. Daniel, would you close us in prayer?